1: Lee Cantor here, another episode of Coach the Coach Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today on the show, we have Sean Patton with Stronger Leaders, Stronger Profits. Welcome, Sean.
0: Hey Lee, how's it going today?
1: It is going great. I'm so excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us about Stronger Leaders, Stronger Profits. How are you serving folks?
0: So Stronger Leaders, Stronger Profits, you really focus on leadership mindset and business practices. And what makes I think my our approach and my approach a little different is basically on based on my background um, so i served 14 years in the army 10 years as an officer including 5 as a green beret attachment commander and after i got out i started my own companies so between an mba and my entrepreneur experience and the special operations i think i bring we bring a pretty unique approach to sort of melding those different worlds together and bringing an elite perspective to leadership mindset and business practices
1: now for the listeners can you just highlight maybe some of the overlap amongst an elite uh, military professional an elite entrepreneur where are some of the similarities
0: Uh, well it really starts with mindset and purpose and a commitment to that mission. That's what I, I really see. You know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I spent time in the conventional army, right? Big army. And that actually lets me relate to sort of the corporate leaders that I work with. Because it's sort of a correlation there between the corporate, the high uh, world, the hierarchy, the systems, the standards, the leadership practices. And so I, try, I sort of lean on that experience uh, when I work with corporate clients and then when I work with entrepreneurs, uh, it's more I sort of draw from the special forces experience where you're trying to do more with less and you're dealing with, you know, high performing, high functioning individuals, but smaller groups and some co- more complex mission sets and problem sets.
1: Now, is it something uh, the way you describe it and uh, correct me if I'm incorrectly summarizing, but uh, traditional Uh, military is more like, uh, has more bureaucracy. Maybe there's more politics involved. There's still a a mission, uh, but there's more complexity in terms of the layers necessary to take action. There's maybe an element of CYA uh, that isn't there in smaller groups, maybe more entrepreneurial efforts. And then in the special forces, this is a small group that's charged to get something done less tolerance for excuses. There's way more urgency and there's more, uh, just, uh, make it happen attitude.
0: Yeah, I think that's accurate, but you know, I think it's really, it's really a function of mission and size, right? So it's, it's, and companies find this. And, and one of my kind of specialties is actually working with companies starting to make that transition, right? I, I I'm sure you've worked with and talked with a lot of high growth entrepreneurs that They've got their small team, you know. They've got the six, and they've got twelve people, fifteen people, all in one room, and you know everybody's communicating. It's a very flat structure. It's very fluid. You're making quick decisions, and all of a sudden they have some success, and they need to hire fifty or a hundred people, and you can't run, you know, a hundred and fifty person organization the same way you run with you know eight of your founders in a room. And so, the you know more people that you start bringing in, uh, the more complexity you bring in, it also requires you to develop more structure, more standards, and more layers in the bureaucracy. So it's really a function of size, I think, more than anything in terms of what's the optimal operating practice.
1: Now, is it possible to move from that nimble to the more bureaucratic in with this warrior mindset of, I'm still going to be able to have a tremendous impact despite my size now, not you know, now the size, I'm going to use the size of the lever for even more impact.
0: Absolutely. And that's, that's the key is frameworks. And that's, that's the problem that I see with a lot of, you know, founders and entrepreneurs as they start to grow and get that high growth stage is it really takes a different set of skills and it takes strong leadership and frameworks to start transitioning to function with a larger organization. So, You know, for example, as you as you grow and you start getting levels, all of a sudden you have to establish communications SOPs, right? The the CEO of a five hundred person company can't have direct conversations with their with their sales staff or with their marketers and not be looping in the leaders and the levels between them, or chaos ensues, right? So the warrior's mindset really is about keeping a framework, freedom within a framework, developing a mindset of gratitude, developing a purpose uh, for your life, a mission for your company. And then you move into self-discipline and that's really the strategic execution. And then we teach perseverance and resiliency and leadership as the final component. So really the the key with a warrior's mindset, what I tried to do there was Get leaders prepared to lead an organization of any size. But what I found working with larger companies is I was trying to teach or work with them on you know big organizational design processes and strategic planning and servant leadership. And what I what I realized quickly was some of these senior executives, even though you know they were great at their job, they were fine, they're professionals, but they weren't actually ready because they hadn't built a foundation of strong self-leadership and that's really what a warrior's mindset is you know we have to we have to make sure that we're we're correct in what how we handle ourselves and ultimately if you can't effectively lead yourself if you don't have self-discipline if you know how are you gonna not just manage but lead other human beings in an organization if your home life is a wreck if your kids aren't talking to you right like your values of what you say is important and what your actions are doing aren't aligned. And that's not a recipe to lead by example.
1: Now, when you're working with folks, are you finding them at the beginning of this journey or are they already at that established larger stage and have required some help to kind of maybe navigate through the, tra- maybe they didn't go through the transition as elegantly as they would have liked.
0: Yeah, it's really all levels. Um, I've got, some clients, you know, that are solopreneurs or just getting started and, you know, have a company with some revenue, but they're adding their first few employees. So we can really start from the ground up and focus on them. And then I've worked with some corporate clients where, you know, where they're not going to pull them out of the organization and start from zero. They have a lot of skills, but we need to go back and fine tune some of the, the mindset, some of the values and some of the strategies to optimize you know, their performance and their mindset so they can plug into their organization and make it even more efficient.
1: So let's help our listeners uh, no matter what level they're at. So let's work with the entrepreneur first. What's some low-hanging fruit for the entrepreneur to do to kind of take control and take command of their situation right now?
0: So as, in terms of low-hanging fruit, the, the first thing that you can do without a ton of uh, you know, sort of high level thinking and exercise is schedule prioritization. And what I've found is so many entrepreneurs are so flooded with tasks in their to do list that they're working, working, working. We've probably done this, right? We've worked, you know, we work your 40, 50, 60 hours a week and you get done and ah, catching your breath. And all of a sudden you're like, wait, am I actually closer to my goals right now than I was on Monday? And so what I, what I try to teach is that. We need to make sure we are scheduling our priorities, not prioritizing our schedule. So instead of sitting down with your to-do list, which is what most people do, they start writing down a list, like I do these 20 things. And then you look at the to-do list and then you start plugging them into your calendar based on uh, deadlines. Right, I'm going to do this first because it's due tomorrow. And then this and this person's relying on me. And they, you start using your to-do list and you start prioritizing your schedule. Instead, You need to look at your calendar and list out what are your actual priorities? Like, what are your priorities in life? And then what are your seasonal priorities professionally? Then you go on your calendar and block out time for the things and activities that are the most important to accomplishment of your life priorities. And once that's done and you identify what those priorities are and you have time scheduled for those priorities... Then you can go in and look and start putting that to-do list into buckets. All right, well, I've got a creative work block tomorrow to work on business strategy. What tasks go in there? What tasks do I have on my to-do list that fit with networking or lead generation right, or systems development? And you can start plugging that into the the calendar once you have times already on there. What, What I've found, though, is instead of doing that, right, I'll look at, someone's calendar and it's packed full of stuff, uh, or just a to do list, just hammering stuff out from the time they wake up to the time they go to bed. And then I look at, well, what are your life priorities? Well, it's my family and then it's my health. And then it's my, well, I don't see a single time on here to spend with your kids. I don't see a single time on here to spend with yourself to think strategically. I don't see a single time in here for you to get out, and, you know, for you to work out or to make your meals. So you're not having to get fast food, like all these, all these components that are, that are, important and critical to them achieving their their actual life priorities and purpose. But because they don't start there and they start with a to-do list, they never get to the actual important things. And they spend their whole day just putting out fires and checking and responding to email and looking at social media and checking on competitors. And they never get the real work done that
1: matters. And then by identifying kind of these and it's literally a handful. It's not like you can't have 500 priorities. So you're, you're helping them kind of narrow down maybe a top 10 or five to 10 priorities, put those in the calendar first, block the time each week, then start kind of sorting through the to-do list and where it fits rather than kind of making your priorities fit in whatever time's left over.
0: 100%. And, And that's really, you know, one of the first things we look at is, uh, what's your calendar look like? And, you know, the other thing I would say low hanging fruit is especially, you know, all, so many of us are working from home now, right? So especially entrepreneurs, so many of us are working from home and we've got kids and family and other requirements and distractions. So we have to set ourselves up for success. You have to set your environment up for success. And as human beings, our brains work with patterns and associations that's just it's how we've survived as human beings and gotten to the top of the food chain as we recognize threats and patterns and we set habits and so you need to set your environment up for success so one of the things i work on with clients is you know for me if it's during the work day i never sit on my couch the couch is for after work time the tv does not go on until work is done and conversely, when I'm at my desk, you know I'm not watch. I don't watch funny cat videos. I don't, you know, I don't, uh, I don't check funny emails or look, you know, watch videos that aren't about work. When I'm at my desk, the only thing I do at my desk is work. The only thing I do on my couch is relax at the end of a day. And so, even when I eat lunch in the middle of the day, I sit at the dining room table or I stay at the island. And if I want to watch some videos or maybe I want to watch Sports Center while I'm making lunch, I watch on my phone. And as you do these things, you start creating these neural pathways in your brain and these associations. And instead of having to fight these distractions, the self-discipline always being an issue, whenever you sit down at your desk, your mind instantly says, oh, we're working now. And then the beauty of this thing is then when you sit on the couch with your wife or your kids, now your mind is, oh, I get to actually relax. So it's about focusing and setting your environment up Not just for work, 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 but so that you can focus on working in one environment, total relaxation in another environment. And then, you know, like your bed, like don't take naps. If you have to nap or rest, the bed's not for that. Do that from a seated position in another room. Because when you go to your bed and you shouldn't read or work in in your bed either, um, like read for work, because then your body and brain doesn't know what bed's for, right? But bed should just be for sleeping, like for eight hours or more, right? So it's just... That's another giant thing that most of us that work from home and most entrepreneurs struggle with. And the key is just to create environments for each component of your life. And it'll maximize your ability to enjoy and be productive in each area of your life.
1: Now, what was it like for for you when you left the military and entered kind of civilian world and uh, going down this entrepreneurial path? Was that a difficult transition or or were you able to kind of navigate that pretty seamlessly?
0: It's so hard. (laughs) It's so hard and it takes so long. I think that's the one thing that really uh, surprised me is you think, oh, yeah, you know, it'll take me a few months. I got to adjust. But, you know. I went in, I went to West Point three weeks out of high school and when I got out of the military, I was 32. So literally my entire adult life had been in the military, in the army, and all of a sudden all that was gone. And it takes you a while to start to reprogram your brain. And you start to realize some of the things that are normal when you're in the military, especially, you know, I was in the infantry and then I was in special forces. So you know all of a sudden you're like it's just normal to blow stuff up and have bullets whizzing by your head and be in these high stress environments at all times and be reading classified reports about all the worst things going on in the world and you're just in that world so much and all of a sudden you get out in the civilian world and everything kind of slows down and you realize your mindset and what you think is normal is not normal and it takes years to sort of reprogram yourself And start to relate to other people. You know, it's it it was so hard to relate to my first employees because I was used to being around Green Berets who would run through a wall and would, you know, go to the ends of the earth and were committed to everything. And you had this big mission about life and death. And all of a sudden, you don't realize why your your employee can't just make thirty calls a day, and you just want to strangle them. Like, (laughs) what is wrong with you? But it, it takes you a while to start to really see the world through other people's eyes and assimilate back into a completely different culture. So no, it was, it was difficult to say the least. Um, I, I think I'm still doing it. I think I'm after about six years, I'm starting to really feel like I've got a handle on it. And also really starting to identify who I am as a human being outside of that identity, because your identity is for so long you know you're you're the sir you're the captain you're the commander you're the, you're the army guy you're deploying you're doing these things and all of a sudden all that's gone and it's it does it strips away part of your identity and your you know maybe 80% of your identity and then all of a sudden you have this hole of well who who am I really and it takes time for you to start figuring out what do i really believe and how do i want to live my life and how do i want to structure things and uh yeah it takes years to do that
1: Now, do you have any advice for people, like you were able to motivate people to really kind of go above and beyond, and it had nothing to do with money. It had everything to do with the big why, the mission, and then you go into the civilian world, and people that you trust and are loyal to will leave you for $5 an hour more somewhere else. Is there any advice to kind of capture that spirit of mission and fighting for, for a bigger cause than themselves?
0: Absolutely. And um, in, in my book that comes out next week called a Warrior's mindset, this is a huge thing I talk about and that is establishing a North star and not just for yourself, but you need to do that for your business as well. And what, what I have found and what I, I use in the book, he's evolutionary biology and uh, metaphysics and a bunch of other things to really hammer down and and psychological principles. The fact is that we're social creatures. And what I see as individuals and companies is that to capture people's attention long term, to motivate them, to, to have them feel content and fulfilled and really buy in to what's going on with the organization, your purpose has to be social in nature. So it has to be about impacting other people. It, your your individual purpose can't be about it can't be a, a financial goal, right? How many miserable millionaires are there, are there out in the world, right? And then they, they say, well, as soon as I get this amount, I'll be happy. And they get that, and it's oh, not really happy anymore. Well, maybe the younger girlfriend, maybe the new faster car, maybe the bigger house. Get those, oh, still not happy. And then I see that in organizations as well, right? It's like, well, we're gonna we're gonna hit this metric and do this goal, and then you get there, and everyone's like, ah, oh, okay. But they're not really fulfilled. And so, as human beings, from an evolutionary biology perspective, we we've survived because we're communal. And so what I would tell you is that you have to identify an impact that your organization is having in the world, uh, in the community, and beyond just, oh, we provide jobs and make money. You have to, you have to set up your organization to say, look, we're changing the world right? We're changing our community. So here's the problem. And we're a living, you know, um, we're getting rid of suffering. We're elevating people's uh, spot in life and we're granting freedom and we're giving them this and we're allowing them to spend more time with their families. And you have to tie in this human component. You know, every business really is in, is in the business of serving humans. And so we need to make business more humane, And that, that will capture people that'll hit them in their soul and their spirit because at the end of the day, you know, money's a satisfier, but it's not really a driver, but people will take and studies show this people will take less money to be part of a great culture and great organization. And conversely, the number one reason in almost every study that of why people leave jobs is because of bad leadership and bad management. Right. Money is really a secondary factor. Right. They might say it's $5, but really, it's a lack of culture and a lack of strong leadership.
1: Yeah, they quit bosses. They don't quit jobs. Um, Absolutely. Now, if somebody wants to learn more, is is your ideal client, is it that solopreneur, that entrepreneur? Is it that larger organization that wants to kind of um, get this training for their team? Like, who who's the ideal client fit for you?
0: So- both, but with different services. So with uh, corporate clients, I have an elite leadership workshop that I can do virtually or in person. And we divide that up into three modules. We talk about self-leadership, we talk about servant leadership, and we talk about organizational leadership and strategic planning. And I can tailor that for you know senior executives or middle management. And I think it's important for, for those organizations to come through with their peers, with with teams. And then individuals... Uh, I can work with one-on-one and we're actually getting ready to launch a stronger Leaders society group. That'll be up after this, after the book comes out. And in that group, we're going to have a, a support team around us um, and do some small group training as well. So uh, services for both. Um, I have found recently that the more that I talk with sort of these larger organizations or I said, really these, these high growth, early stage companies that are starting to explode that need that leadership training to help facilitate all the challenges that come with high growth. Uh, These elite leadership workshops have been instrumental in them setting the culture, training leaders to not just to be leaders, not just managers and see great results.
1: Good stuff. Well, Sean, congratulations on all the success. If somebody wants to learn more about your practice or your book, a warrior's mindset, the six keys to greatness, uh, is there a website where they can find you and the book
0: absolutely if you go to stronger leaders strongerprofits.com you'll have the updates on the book and a way to get a hold of me and different services and additional information and then you can also uh, I'm on uh, instagram and Facebook as Sean Patton presents and of course I'm on LinkedIn uh, just under my name Sean Patton
1: all right Sean thank you again for sharing your story you're doing important work and we appreciate you
0: thank you Lee appreciate it
1: All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio.